Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 160 of the podcast. It's the 22nd of January, 2019, as I record this intro. So my guest this week is Kirsten Fredericks. She and her husband, Carl, have three boys, now young adults, who pretty much grew up unschooling. We have a wonderful conversation touching on how she found unschooling, the most challenging aspect of de-schooling for her, supporting our children's passions, moving from control to trust, what surprised her most about how unschooling has unfolded in their lives, and so much more. As a personal update, we are just coming out of a cold snap here with the wind chills that were down around minus 30 Celsius. So today's minus 10 feels practically balmy. (laughs) And as for inside, I've been really appreciating the routine of things right now. It feels comfortable in that good way, like, like wearing a favorite sweater. Now, before we get to my conversation with Kirsten, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work through Patreon. Uh, A big welcome to new patrons, Katie Ryan and Kara Nelson. Hi, thanks guys. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash exploring and schooling. And now let's get to my conversation with Kirsten. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Kirsten Fredericks. Hi, Kirsten. Hey, Pam. Just a little introduction. I've known Kirsten for many, many years, first online and then in person through lots of unschooling conferences and gatherings over the years. Her children are now all young adults, and I'm thrilled that she agreed to join me to answer 10 questions about her unschooling experience. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Well, um, Let's see. So my husband and I, my husband's name is Carl, and I have uh, three boys, Skylar, Eric, and Sawyer. Uh, my nephew also lives with us at this time for like, probably, I think the last four or five years. Um, so in their ages, Skylar is 22, Eric's 21, and Sawyer is 19. Uh, we live on a farm in upstate New York. And... <laughs> This is it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so we raise uh, beef, cattle, and pigs for pork, and just a small family farm. And my husband also does construction work. I know I'm talking about like what we do, but um, 
and and I wear like five million hats. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Not That's literally. all. Yeah, literally. exactly. Literally, especially in this <laughs> weather, right? <laughs> so what did your family's move to unschooling like? Like how did you discover it and how did that move go? Well, um, we started, we did start out in public schools. Um, I had, I had never even questioned the concept of public school, thought it was the thing to do. Both my parents were public school teachers. I went to college to become a public school teacher. Oh. <laughs> um, ne- never really questioned it, you know, questioned some teaching philosophies within, like within the structure of school, but not, um, not school entirely. <laughs> so um, also did not know any homeschoolers. And starting in first grade, my oldest Skylar was struggling a lot. Um, basically with, I mean, there, it, it gets complicated, but the, I would say that the biggest thing was dealing with transitions, mm-hmm. um, having to stop what he was in the middle of doing and move on to something else. Um, and it would just, it, it was resulting in multiple meltdowns. Um, it, you know, basically I was on call at all times while they were in school. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it was, it was pretty awful. We spent two years. That's how long it took me. I was fighting the whole idea of homeschooling because in my head at the time, I thought it was something just weird, so fringe that I would, it's not something I would ever do. Um, and I really thought I could change the school system to fit Skylar. <laughs> and uh, that didn't work. And it took me two years to really get that driven in. Um, but the summer before he went into third grade, I started meeting some homeschoolers in the area telling myself, okay, well, this is my last resort because I don't want to put them in a, a you know, a, a special school where they, they were talking about, you know, their restraint systems and things like that. Um, and I just started kind of that summer treating it as if I was homeschooling um, to the best of my concept of what that would look like and for us because I felt that keeping everything as fun as possible was the easiest way to do this and the fewer you know fewer battles um, that looked like just going places um, tons of field trips uh, which you know it's funny I don't use the term anymore at the time field trip was like oh you mean going out into the real world (laughs) but like, oh, <laughs> like it, it, it's so funny to think of how, like, then, you know, you would describe it as a field trip, something yeah. separate from from school and or separate from learning, or I don't even know what it would be, but, um, and I did kind of encourage them to keep journals, and there there was definitely a certain amount of, like, measuring going on that would not be considered unschooling. Um, and anyway, Skylar ran away from school, I think the second week of third grade. Um, and he was heading home. (laughs) And so 
<laughs> yeah, it wasn't funny at the time, but no. um, yeah, but that was that was a Friday, and I said I'm keeping him home, and then the other two said, well, if he's staying home, why can't we? And it was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it started out mostly as like, okay, let's just relax from this perpetual state of crisis we've been in um, and try to, you know, calm down from that for starters. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really, for us, that was the beginning of our de-schooling was just recovery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that sounds very familiar. I, I, I went through that whole stage too, you know, of, of working with the teachers and thinking, you know, and, and, you know, and, and they were trying to, for the most part, yes. you know, it was so dependent on what teacher you got too, right? Um, it, it, it was, everyone was trying very hard, but it was as if certain perspectives were so in, in ground. And I think, mm -hmm. like, and I understand that, um, but I just couldn't get through on, yeah. on a number of things. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> and it just wasn't um, wasn't worth. The, I was going to say their soul, you know, because it really was about about breaking them to fit in. You know, that was right. ultimately what had to be done. And I, I mean, I remember the principal after I took him out. Like we tried a private school that last year because I still at this point had never even heard of homeschooling yet. Right. Okay. Wow. And, yeah. And the principal had said to me later because my other two kids were still at that school. So I still saw her and she's, and she was like, it's great that you could do that because he just wasn't going to be, we weren't going to be able to help him here, you know, create an environment that was good for him here. You know, and then I found homeschooling because, you know, the other environment was better, but it still wasn't great. Right. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it, and yeah. I mean, we go into all that background, but, but yeah, you know, it was all, there was this thing, that moment, there was that moment where it's like, oh, okay, this, this just isn't going to be, this just isn't going to work. You know, and and realizing that, oh, I guess we're here and then needing that whole, you know, let's just relax and and get through that crisis mode, really. Like it, it was like an extended crisis, because as you said, you're always on call waiting for when they were yep. going to call. That's why I ended up leaving work and staying home mm -hmm. even before I discovered homeschooling, because it was just so much. You know, yeah. getting the call at work or or whatever. It's like, no, I need, I want to be, I want to be putting my time into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I mean, that whole journey taught me so much, and and you know, I, it was it was necessary for us to take all those steps and break all those little barriers, little by little. Um, you know, understanding more and more what the kids needed, what we needed just learning to question things and it and learning to question authority and start <laughs> trusting my my own gut feeling and trusting my kids and that's <laughs> <laughs> no. that was, 
trust. It's the, you know, it's been the best thing and the hardest thing. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, all these are, are, are such important steps for us uh, on, on our journey, right? You know, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So once you guys were home, you had a little bit of time to kind of um, move past some of that trauma and stress that was built out of that. Over the next, you know, couple of years, as you were doing kind of the bulk of your de-schooling, what yes. did you find to be kind of the most challenging aspect of that, do you think? Um, I think I continued to struggle to let go of some um, really strong opinions I had <laughs> about things like TV and video games and um, screen time in general to, to broaden that out. Um, mm-hmm. I had... Also, I think it, it took a while to get rid of um, having kind of schooly ideas of what had value and what didn't have value. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what, you know, categorizing, well, this is, this is play time and this is learning time um, and not understanding that it was happening <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> you know um so those things and also a lot of it for me because we had been in the school system so all our friends um I I, again I did not know a lot of homeschoolers and I didn't even when I started reaching out to a wider online community I did not know a lot of them um locally and in Mm -hmm. person and that and anyways um so I didn't I felt a little bit like I was inventing the wheel when I definitely was not. <laughs> um, you know, it just took a while to realize all the resources that were out there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, there was another point there that I was trying to make about, you know, um, that, oh, and, and uh, worrying what other people thought. Um, my mother lived with us at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is a passionate public school teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she had, she loved school. She loved being in school. She loved being a student. She loved the whole structure of it. The, all these things worked great for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I found myself feeling kind of supervised or judged. Um, and, and some of that came from myself. And, um, so that, that was challenging for yeah. sure to just be like, okay, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to do this and I'm going to try not to worry what you think of me. Um, this, was that like line. a conversation that you had with her over time? Cause I know a few people have found yeah. themselves in that situation and they're, I bet they're curious. I'm certain that I did. I mean, at this moment, cause we're talking um, a long time <laughs> ago now. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that we had yeah. the conversation in bits and pieces, multiple times. <laughs> um, and the, the interesting thing, even though, you know, she still loves, um, her methods of teaching and all of that, but she, um, she was in her last few years of teaching at that time. 
and she ended up retiring early, uh, largely because the spectrum within the public schools had gone so far to standardized testing, like everything, so that mm-hmm. teaching to the test, um, and that was not her her method. And she was just watching us doing what we were doing and seeing the benefits. And so in a lot of ways, she, she gave up, you know, chose to retire early because she couldn't deal with it anymore. And she was fully aware that she couldn't bring some of these ideas into the school system at that point. So. Mm -hmm. No, that's so interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think (laughs) we, I was worried about her judgment, but in in a lot of ways that, you know, she just learned so much from it. So, and, and it's amazing when we look back and we realize how much of it was our journey to take, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cause when you're, when you're in the thick of it, um, especially near the beginning, it feels like, you know, we, we want to be educating others and, and getting them to see our point of view and trying to convince them. And then later we realized we were kind of trying to convince them because it was part of convincing us because it's like, if we could get someone else to agree and understand, then it was a little less responsibility for us to take on. Like you were saying before, right? How we feel like we're inventing this wheel and we're going against everything. Yeah. And, and it was a huge weight of responsibility. Just this thought that, wow, now I am in charge of, yeah. of you know, everything. basically <laughs> everything, not just their, you know, preschool formative years, but their entire schooling formative years. And yeah, yeah, it, it was a scary thing. To, yeah. Know. So along this way, as you were working through all the stuff and with your mom, <laughs> Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, your husband's journey and how how you kind of worked through that. Was uh, you know how did you help him learn what you were learning and 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 how did he um, come along for the ride? <laughs> well, I mean he he had he was a firsthand witness to the struggles that we were dealing with with public school, so mm-hmm. there was no need to convince him that that was not working. Yeah. Um, so that was very clear to him, you know, and he could immediately see that his children were happier. And at first that was really all that freaking mattered to us at all. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, that, that, that was pretty much everything. Um, and I think, you know, I think he had concerns about my abilities and to teach because at the, in the beginning we were still thinking homeschool, not unschool. Yep. Um, and, but I think the fact that I had a degree in teaching, um, like kind of pacified him there a bit. And when he was witnessing the amount of research I was doing and throwing myself into it, um, I think that helped a lot too. Um, he also struggled a great deal in school Mm -hmm. and so he could relate to what was wrong with school to an extent. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
So I think the hardest part was, you know, some of the doubts, some of that need to be like, well, shouldn't, shouldn't they be doing X, Y, Z by now? Yeah. Or what did you do today? We were both, you know, separating what, what did you do today that was learning? (laughs) Yeah. What if this had value? I mean, we weren't really using those. Hey, that was a call. Did that mess things up? No, no, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. (laughs) You guys were still separating Um, out what was learning from what other things that you were doing. You're still looking for learning to kind of look the way you were expecting it through, through schoolish eyes, right? Yes. And he, you know, he would be working all day and I'd be home. And I think what was hard for me was to translate the, the moments that I felt almost could only be understood by witnessing them. Yeah. Um, it was, it was hard to translate that into some sort of, um, you know, like report of what our kids learned today and what progress was made or anything like that. And, um, so there, you know, even as a couple, we had to come to this, I need you to trust me point, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the things going better and better and better. And I would keep sharing things about unschooling because as I was discovering that, that was becoming like more and more the direction I was going and uh, realizing how right it felt. Yeah. So, yeah. Batteries at 20%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so, yeah, but no, he... I, I feel like he struggled with it a little bit more, but mostly because he was having to trust that I was handling it and not able to witness it every day. You yeah. Know? Um, and also he wasn't doing the reading. He wasn't doing the research. So I was sharing it with him. And again, that became, you know, trusting me to, to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but I think he definitely, you know, reached the point where he was able to see the differences in how his kids were handling things and how other people's kids were handling things. And um, not in like, oh, this kid is smarter or this kid is more advanced, but just happier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those, yeah. Those just, the hugest thing. Yeah. Just the way they approach their, their days. Yeah, I think they just yep. they just eventually gain they gain more experience um just being with their their kids and and as they get older like you said you kind of see it's not like it's as you mentioned it's not a comparison of of smart or or not smart smarter any of that kind of stuff it's just really I think um how they approach their days the their attitude even just you know their excitement with life in general right the amount of self-motivation there is yeah, and the, their understanding of themselves and what they love and what they don't love and what they want to do and what they don't want to do. And, um, virtually, I mean, in comparison to what I went through, I, I feel like they're practically, you know, peer pressure proof. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I don't think that that's necessarily true for every child who's unschooled, um, no. you know, mm-hmm. but um, so I'm not saying that's completely about that's unschooling, a- but it, but it, it also sure helped. Yeah, I was going to say, it helps, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no guarantees. We're all individuals, right? But in general, that is, it's, it's been a help because they're given that time and the support to um, make their own choices, learn from their choices, become to, to become more self-aware just by the fact that they're making choices, right? Because if you have um, the openness or responsibility to make those choices, you're going to want to make good ones for yourself, right? So it's like, oh, do I want to do? You're going to ask yourself those questions that a lot of other kids don't get the opportunity to ask themselves. They only just are expected to do what they're told to do, right? Rather than figuring out for themselves what they'd like to do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) And just to mention that we did a little quick change and now Kirsten's inside and hopefully this will work a little bit better because <laughs> now she's plugged in, which is awesome. So we will go to the next question there. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I've known you for many years and I've loved watching how you dive in to fully support your children's diverse interests and their passions. And as I thought about it over the years, I think that's something um, that parents can sometimes struggle with, that if their child is passionate about something, that they need to really encourage their child to take care of all aspects of it from the get-go, or else they're really not as passionate as they say about it. Like, they feel like it's a moment they need to teach them responsibility, right? That if you really want yeah. this thing, you, you need to um, take care of all aspects of it. And that hasn't really been my experience over the years, and I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Okay. Well, I think, I mean, I agree that we, that it's, well, first of all, even like the word passion, which I use a lot, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if I use it the same way that some other people do, because I feel like passions can be very temporary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I, what I found with my kids uh, a good amount of the time is that they would jump from passion to passion. Um, and I don't think this was really where the question was going. But That's okay. Take it. <laughs> you go. But, okay. Yeah. So I guess, like, for, for me, the way I saw it was that it was truly my job um, to help facilitate what their interests were. And as an unschooling mom, if, if I was ascribing to this belief that the learning is where their, their joy is and the learning is where the, their interests are, um, that, that was, that was right there. They just set the curriculum for me, even though, you know, I was still thinking in those terms. Yeah. 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 So what I, I also felt that um, they can be passionate about certain aspects of things without being passionate about the rest. 
And why should a child have to handle, let's say, the business side of their music career <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just because they love making music when we would not even do that to an adult? Um, if yeah. most adults had the choice, they would delegate <laughs> a good portion of their you know, of their career to others, the parts that, that are not their strengths possibly, or that they're not ready for. Um, so it just seemed kind of like an obvious thing for me at the time. Um, and what I did learn was that I actually, I really love supporting other people's passions. Um, it's a passion of mine. <laughs> So it, well, it just, I, I really enjoy doing it. I love looking for solutions. I love looking for, um, you know, possibilities and opportunities to try things, um, with, I'm trying to think of decent examples, but, um, for Sawyer with his music, um, you know, I mean, it was clear that music was a passion and a talent for him, but more importantly, it was something that he loved doing. Um, and he simply loved to sing. Um, so for me, it was, well, how can I, gosh, I don't know how to explain it now. Um, like he struggled most with, like some insecurities at first that, that his singing wasn't good enough, that his uh, guitar playing wasn't good enough. And he had a hard time seeing his, his own abilities, I think, or, or trusting in them. And so that was where I focused my work was trying to surround him in a supportive environment with people that um that helped him see that he was actually a really good singer and that people wanted to hear him sing um and that and that when he did sing for others it had an amazing effect on them and uh you know so it took him a while to come out and i feel like i'm just not hitting this question right at all but i think that is uh. That is such a great point, though, that you like you, there was so much in there that, that I would grab onto because <laughs> there is that point of, of creating that environment for them. But that <clears throat> you can't to expect that we can tell our kids that they're good at something. Right. Right. It, it's something that they need to come to on their own. Like, and that's the other point, too. I think when you're living in the real world, you have your own. Everybody has their own um, maybe expectations of themselves, their own goals, their own aspirations. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember even having this conversation around reading, you know, that a lot of unschooled kids don't go around saying I can read until they're reading like adult level books, because that's just reading in the world, right? It, right? It's not, I can read because I can read this grade one reader who that has a certain set of, of words, vocabulary that it draws from, et cetera. Right. So mm -hmm. 
it, it's it's a whole different thing, and and it's about supporting them and helping them explore. Like when you're talking about these anxieties, you're you're helping them um, explore their passion or their interest or what it is that they're interested in doing in a safe right. environment so that they can keep exploring it because it's what they want to do, even if they're uncomfortable about aspects, even if they don't, you know, in their eyes, um, think they're good or, you know, I, I can see why you're struggling with those, the words. It, it is hard to explain, right, right. but, but it is such a, such a, such a different way to approach it, isn't it? It's an understanding that, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to convince you that you're good at these things so that you can not be anxious or you can relax and just do them. No, it's about yeah. continuing to create an environment for them where they're comfortable and doing all those other things. Like I remember many years ago, you and I connected over this because I was helping Lissy with her photography, right? And, yeah. and you were helping Sawyer with his music and, and stuff. And we were connecting over the fact that there were lots of different aspects that we enjoyed handling for them to create yeah. an environment where they could dive into the stuff that they loved. Cause you had a great point that adults, if there's stuff that we don't like doing, but we want to have done, we, you know, we hire people to do that for them or we ask yeah. other people to help. Like, why is it bad for a child to ask their parent to help them with aspects X and Y because they don't enjoy them, yeah. but they want to get there. They want to do this thing, but they don't want to do this little thing over here. It's okay for them to ask their parents. You know, it's again, like, why would it be okay for an adult, but not okay for a kid to ask for yeah. that help, right? And, and it goes with have to. There's this mentality that I'm not teaching him about the entire reality of being a musician for the rest of his life if I don't show him the struggles of booking shows or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 no, you meet them where they're at right then. And so like at that point for him, it was, all right, can I take a video of you um, singing this song that you're, you're playing in the kitchen? And it was okay, but only with the lights off. Mm -hmm. And so then to play that back for him and he's like, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then get his permission to put it on YouTube and get feedback from our friends and family. Cause it wasn't like he was, you know, famous or anything. So that feedback at the time, it encouraged him mm -hmm. to go further. Um, and if it hadn't, that was okay too. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. So You're just like helping like, them explore oh, it. Thing. You know, I did the right thing and I cured him of his anxiety. No, I tried no. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it happened, <laughs> it happened <laughs> to take us in the right direction or that was right for him. And, and, and the feedback from that would have helped you take another step, whether it was in the same direction or a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit. That's what we, when we talk about facilitating and exploring interests and passions, you know, whatever yeah. you call them, um, that's kind of what, what we're talking about, right? It's not like we have a set end goal in mind and we're trying I to never, help them get to that end goal. It. 
oh, I have this agenda that exactly he likes to sing. Well, that locks him in. He has to be a musician and a singer and a (laughs) a performer, you know, because, because he's whatever he was at the time, 11. And (laughs) so it, it, it looks like we, we did this amazing path looking back and we did, it was awesome, but the path wasn't foreordained. It wasn't like. (laughs) Exactly. No, that's it. That's what I love is you can, that's the, an amazing thing about unschooling is when you look back, you can see the thread and the path to where you got to like where you are right now. You can see how you got there, but you can't look forward. Right. you other than in this moment, you know, in this moment, and you know, what are my my aspirations, my goals right now? Because they help you, right. they just help inform what direction you're going to take that very next step. Because then yeah. you learn something new, and you're in a whole new place, and and that self awareness is right there, and and that helps you take that next step in whatever direction. I think mean, that's another thing too. Is is that's part of our deschooling, right? is yeah. to not um, take on those things as kind of as our own. Like so often we talked about lots on the podcast about how if our child's interested in something, we can all of a sudden get all excited about it and kind of take it over with our energy and where we think it should go, right? So it's part of that processing to completely um, be able to separate ourselves and realize we are just helping them. It's got nothing to do with um, yeah. how we see ourselves as a parent or how, you know, we feel judged by other people around us, et cetera, because, you know, and, and that's not, that's not an easy one to do you, because parents no, often are like, oh, I've, I've always done that perfectly, you know? Oh yeah. I, yeah. It, it's hard not to be start to become vested personally yeah in in these activities because they become your own passions yeah and it so it is um it yeah like I still follow him but yes if he decided okay I'm not going to perform anymore and I'm not this I'm done I'm done with this whole thing this life isn't for me I would need to process that for myself because mm-hmm. it has become so much part of my life. That doesn't mean I would judge him or no stop making him that in any choice, way, right? <laughs> but, but to be completely honest, it would be a, a, a something that I would have to move through on my own as well. You know, absolutely, yeah. and and. <laughs> That's the thing about, well, I mean, we're calling it unschooling. It's, it's, a, it's a way of life now, right? Yeah, is is that as things are always going to grow and change and we always need to process and, and, and figure out where we sit in, in everything, yeah. you know, those, those will be big changes. And, you know, um, I suspect that because we're aware it it probably would not be uh, like 90 degree like angle change. You would probably get some kind of clues along the way that he was starting to, yeah. you know, you know, same with, with 
any of our children's interests, our, our husbands, you know, good friends, whatever, people that you are strongly connected to, you're going to get these clues when people are starting to like lose interest or not being happy yeah. with those kind of directions. And we're not going to be probably so blindsided by, you know, big turns. We're going to see little steps along the way. Right. And because that has been become a, a you know, a habit, a life skill for, yeah. for all of us that to kind of keep taking stock in where we're at and whether, whether, you know, is everything okay? Are there certain aspects of my life right now that I, I could change and, and would make things just a little better? Yeah. Um, or, um, you know, uh, little things like being Sawyer's manager, um, we've had to gauge his time, his, you know, his off time, mm-hmm. um, in, in the sense that like, I, I, I used to be like, I'd just get excited about something that had come up in an email and I would just walk up to him wherever he was and be like, Hey, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was hurting things actually because he didn't have necessarily the same excitement about the same kinds of things. Yeah. First of all. Um, but also I was interrupting his off time and it, it literally, his manager lived in his house mm-hmm. and could just find him in any room. <laughs> <laughs> so, like that's, so, so we, you know, we were like, okay, well, that's not working. So then yeah. it was like, okay, well, if it's work related, text me. Okay. So, but then we discovered, you know what? Like, so we tried that for a while. It was like, you know, texting is still a bit intrusive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like, okay. All right. So anything that can wait, you email. And then if there's something urgent, you say, hey, I need you to check this out. It, you know, within the next hour, if you, when you have a chance mm-hmm. and go check your emails or whatever it was. And so there, these are just little ways that we've tried to modify, you know, tried to figure out a way to make, to make it work for everybody, right? To make it work for everyone because I'm also his mom. So there, there's, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the relationships um, sometimes didn't work well together. Yeah, you know the manager relationship and the mom relationship. Um, so, but yeah, and, and no, those are some- the conversations that you have, right? It's like, yep, you know, because it comes up because you're living together, right? <laughs> and you're looking for them. You're looking for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to. Yeah. He's not happy. You know what I mean? And so I don't think we'd ever get to the point where he'd be like completely out of the blue. I'm quitting music or something like like that, for example. Yeah. Because there would be so many little, little steps. steps. Exactly. It, it, and frankly, like, I feel like he would work on, like, that. he wouldn't jump to that the way someone else would, like, maybe if they felt so trapped in a situation that mm-hmm. they had to give up everything in order to... To make to a change. Happy. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he would come to that conclusion. Like, yeah. he, he knows... He's not trapped. Exactly. That is such a great point, you know, because so often when people feel the need, they, they have to make a big change. It's because 
you know, they, they have exactly, they felt trapped where they are and they don't see any way out except to like blow everything up and start again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh, that's cool. All right. All right. So what has surprised you most about how unschooling has unfolded in your lives? Um, I think, I mean, there's, there's a number of things, but I, I feel like one of the biggest surprises was how much it, it helped my husband and I in our life choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we it, it, going into it, it was all about well, we're doing this for the kids, and this is about their. <laughs> but see, the, the problem with that is thinking that this is during their schooling years. Yeah. So realize that unschooling is just living. <laughs> that it's that it's not just during the school years or whatever. You know, like well, anyways, it, we just found that the principles of it related to us as well, which was a surprise because we thought of it, this is, this is a, an education thing and we're not in school anymore. <laughs> so, but I mean, even just moving to the farm, um, that was, you know, just a, a couple of years after uh, we had started unschooling and applying the principles of unschooling, of following your passions and addressing issues where you're not happy. Um, was really what brought us here. It, you know, Carl was struggling and it to realize that I could give him the same gift that we could give ourselves the same gift that we were doing for our children and that it applied to everyone. <laughs> um, so that, that, um, I think that was a huge surprise at the time. That's so, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So we we did the same thing. We ended up moving a couple of years after we started <laughs> unschooling as well because I don't know what it is, but it's like you just discover you have so much more choice in your life than you thought. You you realize you have choices and nothing is have to. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, that whole have to thing. I <laughs> to rebel against that. And as soon as someone would say, I have to in a like, oh, you know, lamenting sort of way, it would be like, well, wait a minute. Wait, do you? (laughs) You Exactly. Wait, wait, no, we don't have to. How can we make it work so that you don't have to? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, it just, just opens up the whole world. Okay, so can you talk about your journey from control to trust in your relationships with your children? Because I think this is a big one for people. You know, it's challenging because it's so against what we grew up with, right? When things became hard, we reached for more control. Our parents reached for more control. It's the tool that we know whenever we're feeling a little... Uh, afraid or worried or anything, okay, we need to get things more under control, more under control. So that journey to trust can be a challenge. Yeah. And it definitely, um, it definitely was a challenge and it's not a constant challenge. It just kind of rears its head every once in a while. (laughs) 
Um, in those moments, like, right? <laughs> like through the journey, there's, there's, I, I'm trying to come up with, like, think of an example, but, um, it usually has to do with fear and yeah. trust and this idea that, you know, what I don't like about what's happening right now is always, always, always going to be that way. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, and getting stuck in that fear, um, you know, and forgetting to trust. So most of the time when, when I would get in those types of situations where I found myself asserting you know, more control than people were happy with. Like it, 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 there's usually a pretty clear reaction that (laughs) that this isn't working. Yeah. (laughs) You like, so I might've tried something that was, you know, kind of a, a, you know, knee jerk reaction or something that was an old tool Mm -hmm. that just because in the moment I just couldn't think of anything else or something like that. Um, and the thing was, it never really worked. So most of those times we basically needed to step back from the moment. And I would talk to friends. I would talk to you. I would talk to other people in our, um, unschooling groups. Um, and because sometimes I would find myself stuck Mm -hmm. and not able to see it from the, my child's perspective, as much as I thought I knew their perspective and as much as I thought I, you know, progressed, <laughs> I would still get stuck in something. Um, and it almost always helped, first of all, to, to ask other unschoolers because we've all been through it. And it was amazing to me just how people could help explain a perspective, um, that I was like, Oh, (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, once you hear, once you hear it, like what is right for you, you recognize it. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, Oh, okay. That, that feels true to me. That feels right. And then we would try that. Um, And another thing was, I mean, one of our struggles um, when the kids were younger um, was just sibling conflict, Um, just fighting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, arguments over different things, uh, gaming, just you name it. I mean, there are are three three young boys close in age and yeah. So, um, and sometimes like, even though I could get to the point where, okay, no one's hurting each other anymore. We're good there. And everyone's, you know, doing their own thing and trying to calm down, but we're still mad and we haven't found a solution. And it feels like we never, ever, ever will. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, you know, just, I, I would sometimes I'd just be outside, you know, I just kind of take, remove myself from the moment and remind myself that every other times I've been in this position where it felt like there was no answer, just wait and it, it will come. And just to have faith that their solutions will present themselves. Um, and I think just believing that, and that's where the trust is, right? So like just believing that a solution would come about 
allowed me to see them, to allowed us to see the solutions, allowed everyone to say, okay, well, you know, we figured out something that, that is going to work um, for now. That was also another really easy thing for us was to be like, well, this might not be the perfect solution, but it's the closest we can think of right now. So let's do this one now. And we all agree that if it still doesn't work, we're back to talking about it. And, and that just kind of said, hey, we're all still listening and everybody's opinion is, is valid and important. And it's, I, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. <laughs> That I do. The the piece that that is the whole thing about trust. I, that was something that helped me too. Was remembering previous times when yeah. it worked out, and I could always tell later. You know, the looking back thing <laughs> when I was holding right. on really tight to something because it was always when is that last? It's like I can't wait any longer. Yeah. And it was always like, just, just beyond that. I just had to wait that, that extra time. It was like, but I, you know, I, I can't wait any longer, but I couldn't think of what to do. And then so often the next moment, you know, the next couple of days or something, it just like came. So that was that patience, that trust. It's like, even if I can't see a way forward, in my yeah. experience, you know, so the first few times you're kind of, we talked about this a few episodes ago, I think buying, buying confidence or trust from other people, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're first learning about unschooling and people tell you these things, it's like, okay, yeah. that sounds good, but you don't have the personal experience, right? So at first you're kind of doing some things or trying some things out because you've heard that good things right. happen, right? <laughs> but then yeah. you, after a while, you gain that experience yourself, right? And then it's remembering those moments. It's like, I try to remember, okay, remember how you saw no way forward, yet you were able to wait a bit, relax, chat with everybody. And they came up with this super cool way that I couldn't have even thought of if I, you know, tried to control yeah. them and tried to tell them what to do. This is even better. Like it's not a replacement one way or the other and okay, I won't control them. No, this actually gets us better places in the end, this trust and this working together and remembering that and remembering that and then using that as my trust each time as we move forward when we came into these situations because, you know, we talked so much about how you don't choose unschooling because you think you're going to get a perfect life. Or, you know, because when you're first reading about it, it kind of sounds like a perfect life, right? Because of where you are right now, right? Where we found ourselves. Yeah, looking at the back, back. This was so much better. Looking back, <laughs> this yeah. is really life. But that's the great thing is that these are not obstacles that we're putting in our own path. Now it's just life and navigating life and our growing self-awareness and really understanding how much choice we have in our lives. It's like a whole, it becomes a whole lifestyle, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It really does. And another part of the whole control thing, um, I was coming from, you know, the boys were coming from a public school system that behavior modification Mm -hmm. was definitely, definitely everything like that, that it was rewarding and punishing. So it was, you know, you, you reward the behaviors you want to see, punish the ones you, you don't want to see. And what I learned was 
Oh shoot, I'm losing it because I really <laughs> want to talk about this. Darn. Um, control, okay. behavior modification. Control and behavior mod. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So for example, I learned like early on that what other people would see as rewarding poor behavior for me was no, we are shifting to a place where everyone can come down from the, the challenges and the crisis and the pain of what we were just going through. So let, let's say there was a big argument and one kid broke another kid's toy, just really random. Yep. And okay. So everyone is furious at everyone. Everyone's upset. The one who broke it was upset for whatever he was upset about. The one who's got their toy broke is, is miserable. And I don't have a solution right now, right in this moment. And everybody's too mad to even think about it. So I often would change gears and literally just look for something that was like, all right, well, right now this sucks. Let's do something else for a little bit. Like maybe it was watch a favorite show or go outside, be around water. I, you know, depending on the age, whatever it was mm -hmm. that I knew was a, a really neutral, positive environment that we could shift to. Mm -hmm. um, and then come back to it later and say, hey, yeah, so everyone's feeling better now. But earlier today, you know, Skylar broke Eric's toy. Um, and we should talk about why he was upset, but we also need to talk about Eric really feels it's unfair that Skylar broke his toy and what can Skylar do to offer a kind of restitution for it? Like that was usually how we approach things like that. It wasn't like punishment. It was, and I left it up to them to really come up with what was considered fair, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's another, that fair piece is something that was a big aha, aha moment for me because how I would, it wasn't my situation, right? And how I would think of fair to resolve it was, was irrelevant, really. Like, because growing up, so much of it was fair was equal, yeah. which really, which really isn't fair <laughs> because or, they're all different people they, sure if they were all robots equal would be fair you know but it's right. to them what feels be. fair to them right and so that's why help supporting them just helping them figure out what works for them to move through a situation is so much more valuable right and i think it also remembering that for for us adding punishment instead of restitution simply added to the trauma mm -hmm. of it all to an extent. Um, and even for like it, Eric certainly didn't want, not once he'd calmed down, he didn't want to see me go and break Skylar's toy <laughs> to now. Okay. Now you're equal. <laughs> you know, like doing or, or worse, if, you know, if a family said, well, the punishment is, you know, we're going to spank you or, or it's a timeout or you've lost your privilege to do X, Y, Z now, you know, um, it, it doesn't solve the problem. One isn't related to the other at all. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So what we were raised with, with what was considered, you know, completely normal, perfectly good parenting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there was uh, one day when Skylar was still in school and he'd had a meltdown during the day. Um, and it was an hard day for him. And, you know, I, he ended up coming home half the day. Um, and he had soccer that evening. Loves soccer. Loves, loves, loves soccer. And the school psychologist at the time questioned my choice to still take him to soccer because she felt I was rewarding the poor yep. behavior in school. And I, and that is such a common perspective. And I was like, no, I'm recognizing that poor behavior was coming from a very difficult, horrible experience for him as well. <laughs> or what, what they called poor behavior, you know, yeah. um, it was, he was having an awful day. Why should I make more of his day awful? <laughs> so right. and I, it it just the whole concept of of punishment and and not you know meanwhile how would that help mm-hmm. all right now you can't go to soccer all right now i have a kid that's dealing with even more disappointment who's had a horrible day doesn't address the issues at all that caused his horrible day <laughs> mm-hmm. now you know right something that could make his day better. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand it, but, but it was, that is the normal reaction to struggles, you know. I know. For, for just children. pile on more struggles. You're struggling with something. Yeah. Let's like make it worse. Let's make it worse. It's like, I don't know. Just make it so bad yeah. that, that you just don't want to, you know, it's so that they won't, act that way but even again, but it's because they, they can't act. Happiness. Yeah. <laughs> you don't deserve to be happy this evening. So, you know, I think yeah. you're not worthy of it. Like what message am I, am I handing him? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> I, I <great>. don't, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We should move on then. What yeah. have you come to value most about your unschooling lifestyle over the years? Um, gosh, I mean, we've talked about so much of it really, yeah. but, um, uh, number one, my relationships with mm-hmm. my kids. Absolutely. Like that's just the, the connection that's there. Um, that, that feels so authentic and comfortable and, and good. So that, that's huge. Um, and then everything that it's taught me, um, gosh, you know, about the choices I have in life and, and how much more freedom is really there than, than I might have thought. Um, and how, you know, how these choices and, solutions apply to every aspect of our lives so but i yeah i mean it's just it's everything it is it, it is our way of life now like i don't think of it as unschooling as much anymore yeah you know uh, just because it's 
it is living. This is what we do. Yeah, this is how we live our life. And speaking of which, yeah. that leads greatly into the next question here. So as our children get older, talking about more conventional messages. <laughs> yeah. The conventional message is loud and clear that kids need to move out of the house to prove that they aren't failures at life, right? This is like, okay, but will they ever, you know? Um, And you have older kids living in your family home, and I do too, and they are definitely not failing at life by any stretch of the imagination. So I just thought I'd ask your thoughts around that one. Yeah, no, um, first of all, I think that the whole pressure to move out is a huge societal, you know, invention (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to get real political, I think it's just, it's consumerism, it's capitalism, it's this concept that that we need to sell more houses and everyone needs their own washing machine. (laughs) And like, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, maybe it's because we've been kind of in a, a little bit of a recession for a while now that that I I see the value even from a practical sense of being home having everyone home and having a, an extended family within the home um and I I feel like it's nothing new either this is this is a very this is a much older way of living um it makes total sense on a farm lord knows <laughs> having for grown, <laughs> you know, young adults at home is a huge, huge help. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't in any way resent them being home. Um, like not even the tiniest bit, like, no. if anything, they're doing me a favor, <laughs> but, um, but also I love, I love having them and we don't, we just don't even think of it that way. Um, I, if, you know, Sawyer, I think is looking at an apartment right now or looking at apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. All right. But I'm not like, it's going to be kind of, you know, an adjustment for me as a mom, but not in the sense that, oh, that's a mistake or, or, oh, look, he's, he's making a more mature, I'm not comparing like, okay, so he's moving out, but Skylar and Eric are staying and he's the youngest, it doesn't make him more successful. It's simply that, frankly, right now he's got a girlfriend and our house isn't really structured that well for privacy. And <laughs> I don't, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, they're all very like logistical decisions and not just, um, you know, like this principle of what magic age you need to be independent Exactly. You know, I think that's the thing is these are real choices, right? They're not because I'm expected to do this. They're not expectations that I have to prove or I have to do something or, or anybody has an expectation that I'm supposed to take like college or whatever it is that, you know, that society has said, this is, you know, like, so it gets that all the time from, you know, some of his older fans don't forget school. When are you going to college? And I'm just, I, it just cracks us up every single time because like, well, he might choose to take classes or, or learn a lot more in a certain area at some point, but are you actually questioning his choices right now? 
and the amount of learning and the value in what he's doing right now that this this is his education he, this is it yeah yeah <laughs> he's no doing I know. It. <laughs> but if we phrase it differently when we say oh well he's doing an internship or <laughs> you know you well yeah you know program. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember um, at first because that was it. It was it was a real choice and a good choice for Lissy. Like she basically moved out when she was eighteen, right? And she moved to another country for crying out loud. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, that's how we ended up kind of phrasing it too for the more um, conventionally minded around us. It was, yeah. you know. Instead of paying for college, you know, using that money for a visa so that she can go. She's still learning. You know, we did that intern comparison, right? Yeah, it, you, you it was have to justify it to some people. But yeah. for us, it's so ingrained that, you know, we can just laugh at the absurdity of it. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all knew what you know, great thing it, it was for her. It, you know, it wasn't a choice between one or it was a choice between them only in that they have the choice to do what they want to do. Right. Exactly. And exactly. they know that choice is there, but you know, this is where um, they're fully engaged right now. This is what they're enjoying. And when they're enjoying it, that's when they're learning so much about it. And, and, you know, but yeah, you can't, back to what we were saying earlier, you can't convince other people. And, nope. and then you, you eventually come to realize that the need to convince other people is your issue to deal with, <laughs> yep. but you can, yep. you can frame things for other people so they understand them. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with making that intern comparison for them because it gets them to the same comfortable place that we are, you know, and right. it's just through right. the lens that they understand things. Right, it yeah. still gets it's, it's still true. It's just yeah. a different language. It's a different yeah. way of seeing. So exactly. Yeah. Okay, question number ten, Kirsten. <laughs> oh boy! Looking back, what for you has been the most valuable outcome from choosing unschooling as a lifestyle and continuing to live that lifestyle now? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it um it it really like for me personally yeah um I think that it has helped me with um a number of things that like I have I am prone to anxiety um and anxiety is very often it it's partly a just a you know an an emotional thing that affects you but um the reassurance that there, there will always be, you know, a choice and there will always, and I, and I, and I need to learn more about this, but then I, I'm sure if I learn more about it, I will find the solution. And, and also the, the trust in letting, letting things be for a little while, just even identifying, seeing the value of identifying the problem and letting it, be like okay well I've identified it now I can take a break <laughs> that was hard 
right? <laughs> you know, like little little stages of you know, and and it really trust is the biggest word. It's the the biggest thing that I've learned from from unschooling, um, and you know, whenever I'm I do find myself really struggling. Sometimes I can get back to that place by myself, but, but I have a really great group of friends that know. <laughs> they just say, oh, yeah, so so you need to trust, right? And I'll be like, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not saying I'm going to trust that all of this will be made better for me magically. Yeah. I'm trusting... I'm trusting that uh, that there certain people will come into my life, little situations. I'm gonna catch something on Facebook that that connects with what I'm going through. There things, you know. I I'm I trust my ability to do research, um, I, I and to listen to my gut about you know, what is right for me. So I think that's yeah. a huge thing. And, you know, my kids do it. It, it, it. It's beautiful to watch them because they are so, they, they know themselves so well and they don't have these kinds of doubts that I am prone to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that piece that because we always, I I mean, I've noticed that too. And it's like, I always feel a pressure that I need to solve something quick. Right. And, and remembering like looking at my kids and, and seeing, Oh, we can trust, trust this and give it time, the time that it needs. Right. Right. It doesn't need to be, you know, because for me, that's where the fear and the worry comes in. It's like, oh, I need, I need this solution. I need to get to here. You know, I need to solve this by X time. And, you know, to be able to sit with that discomfort and trust that things, you know, I used to say, trust, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even if I can't see it yet. But now right. when I'm remind when, you know, when I'm stuck in worry and swirling, it's like, oh, I can trust that there's a light there even when I don't see it right now. Yeah. I love that. That's Absolutely. such a, that's such a great piece. And, and I really, I love seeing that my kids have gotten to that point too, because they, it's just so fun to watch them, isn't it? Just to, they don't get so stressed and worked up about. They, so they really things. don't. Things are very much in the moment. Um, they, it, it, it's amazing. Like, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm blanking now. And I just had like an example I wanted to share. About that. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how my brain. But um, yeah. Trust is awesome. And it's, trust is awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, they, so many questions that they've gotten are, you know, what are your plans for this? Or what are your plans for that? Or, you know, people will ask Sawyer, you know, well, funny one was, or are you, you know, so, so do you want to do music as a career? And this was like, like while he literally was earning money, <laughs> <to> do music. 
but because he was young, it, it didn't count as career yet or something. I don't really know what it was. It was yeah. like, well, well, he is. No, he actually is doing that now. Now, is he going to want to do it later? <laughs> and the thing is, Thor would always be like, I don't know. I, I'm, I, he would say, I always, I'm sure I'll always have music being a part of my life, but I'm not worried about whether it's my career or not. Um, it, mm-hmm. Because there's other ways to make money. There's other things I'll enjoy doing, yeah. but music will always be there, you know? And, but the thing is he, he, that would be the answer he would give. But the truth was, it was, it was more like, why, why do I need to know that? Why do I need to know that now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why do I need to presuppose what the next 40 years of my life is going to be? Right. (laughs) Right. That's a strange question. I'm, this is what I'm doing now. Isn't that what matters? <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Kirsten. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. And it's really, um, it, was, it was fun to look back through you know, the years and the progress and the journey. That's really cool. I know, right? Because yeah, I bet for years it's just been living life, right? So to think back on, on how you got through unschooling, that's a, that's a bit different. (laughs) It's, it's a really great reminder of, you know, the choices. I'm I'm just really happy about the choices we made. So. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What is Unschooling? In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling, like how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is de-schooling? And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.